One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Today, we've got a crazy story of a teacher defending themselves when the teacher actively took part in helping the kids cheat in their class. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, the cinema chain said I can't leave any empty seats. Fine. I live in the Netherlands, and there's this huge cinema chain that completely extorts customers when a hit movie comes up by forbidding them to leave an empty seat in their cinema. For instance, if your row has four seats left and you want to only book two, you either need to book four seats or no deal. I get that they're trying to sell out their big hits, but I feel that's a very bad tactic. So we decided to go to the movies at the last minute and went there to buy the tickets. Same story. My partner then went back in line and bought himself the other seats while I bought the two we would be using. I went back to the customer service desk and said I wanted to cancel the single tickets, as cancellations can happen up to the exhibition time, and the staff called the manager. He scratched his head, really thinking about it, and in the end just said we were right and gave us the money back. I made sure to share this with my friends. So I guess the situation is, if there's two people there and you want to buy two seats, you have to buy four or no deal. But if there's just one person, they'll let you buy two seats? So you just split it up and make two separate transactions and it works out. I think we can all agree though, this tactic is very, very frustrating and dumb. And honestly, if I went to a cinema that tried to pull that stunt, and I was faced with that, I probably wouldn't go there again unless it's the only one in town. Also, hi. I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below. That said, our next story is, delete your files and leave. So I have a friend Ted, who 6-7 to seven years ago was 64 and considering retirement. Ted worked in the health analytics for a large metro health organization. He would look at patient data and see ways to improve patient outcomes and gain funding. Each month, he would email to the relevant department heads data and links for government grants or funding applications. Twelve months prior to this, Ted got a new boss, Sally, who didn't appreciate what Ted did. Sally pretty much ignored Ted except for a simple instruction that all data and reports go to her and no one else. She would deal with it. The organization declares a restructure with lots of job losses. They are extremely determined to get this through. Ted is to be redundant. In a meeting, Sally tells Ted his work is useless and he is of no use to the organization. She says she hasn't opened one of his email reports in 12 months and that clearly shows he doesn't matter to the organization. In three months, he'll be redundant and receive a handsome package, over a year's pay. Sally was pretty rude to Ted and HR asked her to leave. It's decided that Sally will no longer deal with Ted. The union was putting a decent fight and slowing down the restructure. Ted makes the offer to HR that he will not fight the redundancy if they pay him three months sick leave and after that his redundancy. They agree but insist that he does a full data clean for patient confidentiality reasons in the next two days. And then his sick leave starts. Cue malicious compliance. Ted backs up a copy, then rings IT who delete every file. All on his hard drive and not on a server, he wasn't so tech savvy, and physically destroyed his hard drive. He also asks them to also search through any unopened emails he had sent and delete them off the server. IT wipe every last trace of Ted from the system. Ted gave the copy of his data to the internal auditors on his last day. 
On Ted's last day, he also discovered that Sally didn't know he was going on sick leave the next day. She rings with a sweetest pie voice saying, Hey Ted, I need you to look at those numbers you sent me as I can't find them. The auditors say we're 2.2 million short of funding this year and you might be able to help out. Ted replies, sure, but ring me tomorrow. Ted leaves and retires happily ever after. Sally apparently could not find Ted's data in the coming weeks. Ted ignored her calls as he was on sick leave. The internal auditors investigated and found that Sally had cost the organization over 2.5 million in funding. At the same time, complaints came from department heads about Ted's redundancy. Someone forwarded Ted an email a couple of months later from the CEO stating, After a brief conversation with Sally, she has decided to look for other opportunities. So many times have I heard a story about people who get fired and the people who fire them not considering that all of the data they have on their personal files are invaluable and would be totally lost without them and they just trash them on their way out because you're not going to keep them around, you're not going to help the people who are basically making you redundant. I know unless I was specifically asked for stuff, I'm not going to just leave all of this stuff and advocate myself to try to make sure this company that basically screwed me over is going to be alright. This next story is shortish and, well, not sweet. During high school, I had a good friend group at church. One evening after a church meal, a few of us were standing around talking when Steve emptied the last of the sugar from the shaker into his tea, then thrust the empty shaker toward Joe, ordering him to fill this. Joe took the shaker and headed toward the kitchen. This sort of minor rudeness was just part of the dynamic. We were really all on quite good terms. Joe was the youngest of us and Steve was one of those frustratingly self-possessed people who never reacts much to anything. I only saw him really surprised a few times during the several years we were close. Joe returned after a moment with a shaker about half full and handed it to Steve, who made an elaborate show of pouring about 15 teaspoons into his cup, complete with comical faces and mouth movement which I still clearly remember. Once he felt he'd added enough and stirred it thoroughly, he took a big old swallow and spat, nay, sprayed it out onto the floor. I don't know how Joe kept a straight face until then, but I'll always admire him for it. He had taken fill this literally, and carefully noting the omission of what to fill it with had filled it with salt. The only real fallout was having to clean up the mess, which we all, while laughing, helped with. You could see this one coming from a mile away. The only shame here is their drink was totally messed up and they gotta start all over. Our next story is how the castle Weebertreu got its name. Yesterday, I read here about a historical malicious compliance and then realized, hey, I also know a historical one. So today I'm going to tell you the historical account of how that castle got its name. It roughly translates to women's loyalty or loyal women. So in 1140, the castle was sieged and they were running out of food and had no hope anymore that another army would come to their rescue. One army had tried already and lost the battle, so they sent one of their men outside to parley and come up with terms for their surrender. But the army didn't really want to give them anything because they knew the castle would soon fall either way. Also, the castle currently belonged to the Welfen, one of Germany's oldest aristocracy families. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. They were even powerful enough to put one of their own on the Emperor's throne. You see, in the Holy Roman Empire of German nations, the Emperor got elected by the high aristocracy and powerful members of the church, while the Hohenstaufen were the one besieging it, also a very powerful family that managed to get on the throne on several occasions. Those two houses had beef going back centuries. So the people in the castle knew when they give up without an agreement, this is either getting ugly or even uglier. The high-ranking people inside would be taken hostage and only get free if they agree to a ludicrously high ransom, and the rest would most likely be executed. If they're lucky, some would only have their sword hand hacked off and one or both eyes be burned out with glowing iron. Yeah, that was long before the Geneva Convention came up with rules for prisoners of war. After some back and forth negotiations, they finally agreed on the following conditions. That women and children would be allowed to leave completely unharmed, and as soon as the people inside would see they are safely off this huge hill the castle is on, they would open the gates and face whatever comes them. Also, since it was winter, December 21st, 1140, they were allowed to take as much as they can carry with them. So what did the women do? They carried their men to safety and left all the goods behind. The Stauffern were so perplexed by the trick, they just let it happen. After all, they gave their word that the women could leave unharmed and could take as much as they could carry. Back then, giving your word truly meant something. It was a binding contract. There went all the ransom money. From then on, the castle got the nickname we portray you, Women's Loyalty. Just goes to show that even back in 1140, we needed strong women to carry us across the finish line. Our next story is, why don't you tell somebody who gives a crap, bro? Alright then. 
This happened back in the day with a teacher I used to work with who taught a class of adult students who took a very high stakes exam. This high stakes exam, unless you pass this you wouldn't qualify for scholarships, some aspects of financial aid, etc., was multiple choice, and I was part of the campus's proctoring team. This particular teacher didn't like me very much, and I was fine with that. We had different personalities and that's okay. This was an important test. This exam is an important piece of data that the Harricoma County Community College System, fictitious name, uses to compare its success to sister schools across the country, and even across the state. It's not an ACT or SAT, but it's the junior college version of a GRE, basically. It just happens to be administered in this particular course, which is required by all who attend that major in pretty much anything. Anyway, sorry that this detail was added late. I'm writing this as I'm remembering the details. So anyway, during the actual test, it was my job to make sure the classroom was fully functional. Math helps were covered up, etc. This included covering up the four quadrants that were labeled in the four corners. The teacher, we'll call Captain Cheat, was okay with most of my suggested, demanded, changes. Before the kids took the test, I made sure we covered up the four quadrants but Captain Cheat was determined to have the four letters in the four corners up still. They were literally framed posters with fancy decorated letters A, B, C, and D. I was like, um, I don't see how this could help, but sure. Anyways, the students started walking in, looking at the sparse walls, seemed panicked for a second, then relieved to see that the letters were still up. This was my first clue of weirdness, but should have really have been my second. During the test, I saw the teacher walking around the room looking at kids' answers. I noticed a very interesting pattern that, if you didn't pay attention to, you would miss. No words were spoken. He would walk past a student, the student would look up at the teacher, the teacher would look away into the middle distance. The student would look at the same middle distance, then bubble in an answer. It was a little weird, but a very consistent pattern. I then paid a little closer attention and saw that some students were better at hiding what the teacher was doing than others. Some kids didn't look where the teacher looked, they just knew what to bubble somehow. Then it happened. A student took their pencil, pointed at a bubbled-in letter, looked at the teacher, the teacher looked at me, I looked away, and saw the teacher look intently at his picture at the corner of the room that said D. The kid then clearly changed their answer to D, even mouthing D, kind of whispering it to themselves even. Wow. When the testing was over and every student handed in their Scantron and left, I immediately approached the teacher saying, I can't believe you. Impressive, but disappointing. You're literally cheating these students out of an education. You either have them retake this without your magic signs or I go to the board. He responds, why don't you tell somebody who gives a crap? Hashtag good luck proving it. Yes, this dude cringingly said hashtag. Enter malicious compliance. The first part of Captain Cheater's comment set me off. And at that point, honestly, I wasn't probably going to go ham on this guy. This is 100% due to the additional cockified cringe factor of saying hashtag. Maybe I'm just jealous because I'm supposed to be cocky plus cringe and he's killing my vibe. But either way, I will. I will tell somebody who gives a crap. The provost. The provost indeed gave a crap. A community college aside, 
This is a community college, which some people see as lesser than, but I see community college as truly superior for the first two years of college courses. The requirements to teach are having a master's plus five years experience in the field they're teaching, and at the university you'd be in a class of 500 and never really hear from the actual professor. It's cheaper and higher quality education pretty much across the board. It's a no-brainer. So those community college haters out there, whatever. Aside over. So anyway, I tell the provost, and Captain Cheat is not just brought before the board, but is put on administrative leave instantly. Like, instantly. He wasn't sent away in handcuffs or anything. The stakes weren't that high, but this was an exam that affected a lot of people's money, and in turn, lives. This guy looked particularly pissed more so than usual, and I know for a fact that he hasn't worked at the university level since, based on his LinkedIn that says he's working at a Jargit warehouse. Hashtag good luck proving it? I just want to know how old this dude was. Was he like freshly out of college? Like a relatively new teacher that was just trying to bail everybody out? This guy sounded like he just finally broke into the field and they very quickly just broke themselves back out of it. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That's it. I'll see you all next time with some more stories.